Hi, friends. Welcome to The Faithful Podcast, stories of people who walk by faith and gained a fuller understanding of the faithfulness of God. I'm your host, Stephanie Baker. My guest today is Amber Martin. Amber was one of my youth group girls many, many years ago, and she is a mom to two beautiful girls. Amber shares about how the loss and trauma that she went through a few years ago has helped her to learn so much about who God is and how much he loves her. I want to apologize because the sound quality was a bit choppy at times due to some connection issues, but there is so much good stuff in here, and I pray that it is a blessing to you. So here is my interview with Amber Martin. Welcome, Amber, to the Faithful Podcast. I'm so glad you're able to join me today. I'm definitely honored that um, that I get the opportunity. Yeah, for sure. Um, Amber, you and I have known each other, I don't even know how many years. Like, my guess is like 20, but I could be wrong. <laughs> but uh, Something like that. Something um, around there. Yeah. yeah. So um, I'm really... I'm really thankful that you're you're able to talk to me today, and I just wanted you to tell us a little bit about yourself and what you've been up to lately. Well, um, my name is Amber. Yeah. I have two little girls, uh, a mom to the most beautiful girls in yeah. the world. Um, <laughs> their names are Mary and Violet, and they're 10 and, and um I am a special ed interventionist paraprofessional with okay. the school district here in my town. Uh-huh. Uh, I work at Mary's school, so that's pretty great. That's awesome. Um, yeah. And, I mean, we've just been um, focusing on getting more involved in and becoming closer to the Lord. Honestly, that's been our first priority, um, you know, on top of lots of dance classes and stuff of yeah. that nature. But, <laughs> all all um, the normal mom things. Yeah, yeah. It's been um, pretty calm, though, lately, just trying to keep our uh, focus in the right place, you know. For sure. Yeah, no, that, that's great. Um, so tell us how you came to know Jesus. So I was saved and baptized when I was, like seven, mm-hmm. um, at the church that, uh, the first church that I ever attended with my mom. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like that was, um, legit. I feel like I meant it. I understood about Jesus and, um, what he did on the cross for us. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time I was seven. So right. I, I think that it was, um, it wasn't the end of things, you know, I, I know that the Lord was there from that point forward, but I don't think that I really developed a close relationship with him um, mm-hmm. until I was much older. Yeah. Um, I was in church until, I guess, almost into adulthood. And then, you know, I had those prodigal years <laughs> um, and then you know, I, I didn't actually get back into church until uh, JT. Okay. So it was, uh, I don't know how many years between like 
Yeah. I, I mean, I went every now and then kind of thing, but I was not in church. I was very much in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that when I met JT and got back into church, like things just were like a 180 almost. I started feeling a heavy conviction mm-hmm. um, that I that I needed to get closer to the Lord. Um, and then obviously when everything happened, that's, that's really when I feel like I surrendered to the Lord. That's when I feel like was the turning point just two and a half years ago ish. Yeah. Two years ago, just over two years ago. Just over two years ago. Um, yeah. So you kind of um, alluded to it, but you got married about five years ago to JT and you guys had a kid together. Um, mm-hmm. And so tell me how a little bit about how you saw God's faithfulness in those that early time of marriage and parenting. Um, well, <laughs> we were only married for um, two and a half years before everything happened. And so I think we were still um, trying to get used to it, like, they say those first few years are the hardest, you know? Right. Um, and I think in a lot of ways that's true. Mm-hmm. Um, we were still trying to um, adjust to being married. And so I saw God in that, you know, in our ability to um, understand each other and, um, you know, work together as a team. I was, uh, you know, I felt definite growth in that aspect. And then, um you know, with the kids, just we both felt the need to have them in church and, um, you know, learning about the right things. And um, so from where I was uh, <laughs> and being in the world and, you know, making all the bad choices to getting married, which happened pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, and then having now I did have one child, we have two, and um, building a family and a life together. I mean, I don't feel like there was a time that the Lord wasn't involved in it, that he didn't have his hand in it. Um, I feel like things were building, and um, I mean, I feel like he was very faithful to us in that time, even though we weren't very faithful to him. Yeah. You know, we went every Sunday, but... Um, it was it was very uh, in a lot of ways sometimes it was almost obligatory mm-hmm. like our hearts in the right place yeah um I think I think I wanted um to get there like I had a huge desire to get to get closer to the Lord but I didn't really know how to do that and um you know JT had a lot of his own struggles going on um mm-hmm. And being, but not limited to his relationship with the Lord. You know, yeah. he had just his his own um, thing with that, and he was really struggling um, in that area. So, um, although we were going to church, we were there. Yeah. Uh, it wasn't the way that it should have been, mm-hmm. and um, there were a lot. There were several times that I remember. It was almost like, I don't want to say an audible voice, but it was just like a feeling in my spirit that I attribute to being from the Holy Spirit. You know, um, what's it going to take for things to change? Yeah. 
you know, what's it going to take for you guys to get serious? Mm. And I would feel that way a lot. And I just didn't really know what to do with that feeling. Um, I didn't, didn't pray very much either. So that's probably a lot of the problem. Um, I think what you're describing um, is what a lot of new parents go through. You know, like you, maybe you grew up in a church and there was that influence and there was some good maybe lumped in with some bad in that experience, but you felt like it was something important for your kids. And so when kids come in the picture, um, you, you want to, you want to do right by them and you want to do right by the Lord and, um, but it's it's like trying to flip a switch and, you know, I guess come in line with what God wants for you. And that's that can be really challenging. And on top of that, like you're describing being a newlywed. And um, in my experience, I don't know how everybody's <laughs> marriage was in that time. Um, Phil and I would talk a lot about how it was like you were finally like looking in a mirror but like seeing things accurately and it was really disturbing at times. You're like, oh, <laughs> I'm really more selfish than I realized or, oh, I didn't think this was a huge problem until I saw how it affected like my spouse and, you know, then children. And I'm having to give up so much more than I ever realized um, in order yeah. for this to be, you know, successful or in order for this to honor God and, that's hard. I mean, is that, does that sound pretty accurate? Yeah, it, it really does. Um, I think that, uh, yeah, you, you described it pretty well. It, <laughs> it just, it was pretty difficult. Um, just trying to, you know, we live in the same house now and <laughs> there's things that like, maybe we knew about each other, mm. but we didn't really know. <laughs> right. Like, uh. And, um, you know, some of them were more, you know, I was, it was easier to deal with than others on both of our ends, but, um, you know, yeah, we were in those first years. Uh It was, uh, we were, we were still trying to figure things out for sure. Yeah. Those, those newlywed days are, they're really good in some ways, but they're, and, and what's crazy to me is that it's also, like as much as there's all this revelation, like who is this person I have married? Um, <laughs> there's also like, oh, I'm thankful for them. But then it's still like as time goes on, more comes out and you're like, okay. So as much as they, you know, they have things that are hard for me to accept about them, I must have some things that are really challenging for them to accept. And I need to try and like show grace in this time. But I think that's that's a that's a pretty common thing now that the depths of that or the the struggle that comes along with it may vary from relationship to relationship but those those themes are are pretty common but um you know it, it was the fall of 2019 I think um when everything kind of came to a screeching halt so um yeah. can you tell me about what happened well, um, I guess I'll just start with like how the day started. It was, um, it was just a normal morning. We were getting up and I had to go to work. 
Mm-hmm. Um, it was a Friday and um, he normally didn't have to work on Fridays, but he said that he had to work half a day um, okay. and that he would be home, uh, in time to pick Mary up from school. Okay. Um, and I remember waking up that morning um, and getting ready for work. I remember him telling me that I was beautiful while I was brushing my teeth and <laughs> looking at him like he had three heads. Um, yeah. I remember kissing him goodbye. Um, or like more than once. It, it was kind of, um, it's almost like I felt uneasy the whole day before anything ever happened. Just, um, mm. it was, it was weird. Like looking back, it was really weird. I actually, I went back inside once or twice to, to say goodbye. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, I went to work feeling kind of crazy because like, you know, who says goodbye that many times, right? Yeah. Um, but, I, you know, I got to work and I'm there and we're texting back and forth and, um, you know, throughout the morning, it's, you know, no deep conversation or anything, but um, then it just like, like he wasn't texting back anymore and um, I tried to call him to ask him, uh, you know, actually, no, we had talked on the phone about picking him, picking up the grocery order. Um, but he'd already passed that area of town and we were going to pick it up on the way to dinner. That was the last conversation. Um, and then I had to call back for something else and he didn't answer. Um, and then, uh, you know, he, there was uh, maybe two, three hour period of time. And it was very unlike him not to answer the phone. Yeah. Like even, even if he was mad at me, you know, mm. he would answer the phone. Yeah. And um, so it just, you know, I felt like something was wrong. Um, and then he didn't show up to get Mary from school. And so I knew something was wrong. Mm. Um, and I, I remember... I was a mess at work. I couldn't think about anything else. And I told my boss, hey, you know, I, he, I don't know where he's at. And he didn't pick Mary up from school. And I've, I've got to go. So I had talked to my mother-in-law. Um, and she was also worried. She was on her way to get Mary. Mm-hmm. And um, I was driving home from Laporte to Dayton. So it was about an hour drive. And, um, you know, we hadn't heard from him and I pulled in the driveway at my house. My mother-in-law had come out and she said she had found him, um, that he was at a hospital in Beaumont. It was a tiny trauma hospital. It was Um, a what? A hospital? I'm sorry. It cut out for a second. It was a very small trauma hospital in Beaumont. And she had the lady on the phone. Um, and she, the, they wouldn't really tell me anything over the phone other than, um, he's been in an accident. Um, he's in a very deep coma and you need to get here. Mm. And I remember asking, um, is he alive? Mm. And she paused <laughs> and then she said, yes, he's alive. Um, 
So after that, it was, you know, my father-in-law drove me and my mother-in-law to the hospital. It was a long life. I was being, um, like by this point, our family was being notified different, you know, our church family and the heavens were shaking with prayers. They, Mm. um, it was a long ride and I, I got there and it was just like, I remember feeling like I could hear my heart beating. Like it was just, you know, I guess on a mission and I got in there and they took me to his room and um, he was really beat up mm. and on a lot of machines, there was a lot of tubes and um, they, they were, I, it seemed like they were trying to, you know, still get him situated almost. Mm-hmm. It had been hours, mm-hmm. um, but, um, you know, he was not in any way conscious. He was, you know, like they said, in a deep coma. That's that's how they explained it at first. Yeah. Um, and then the nurses, I was trying, you know, I was in shock and I had a lot of questions. And I, you know, they were giving me all of the very scientific answers with the big words and the medical mm-hmm. terminology. And, um Nobody sounded optimistic, mm. and uh, I just, all I could do was pray. I was just, you know, um, I, I hear what they are telling me, but um, there, what else can I do other than, than pray? So that's what, that's what I decided I was going to do until, you know, you know, things aren't over until they're over, right? Right. Um. Mm. And so there were some scans that had to be done right away. And the first one, of course, came back that things weren't good. Mm. (laughs) And uh, they were going to do another one just to make sure the following. And in that scan, um, they they actually pronounced him dead. They said that he had, um, it was brain death at that point. they explained it to me as um, he had hit it. The accident had happened and um, he just left the road ever so slightly and overcorrected and then overcorrected back the other direction, which caused the car to roll. Um, and he was not wearing a seatbelt. So uh, he was ejected from the vehicle. And at some point, possibly multiple points during that, incident um he suffered a traumatic brain injury and his brain swelled so much that it had nowhere to go and Mm. it started protruding down his spine Mm. resulting in brain death wow so um i mean it was just it was crazy because looking at him yeah i mean some bruises um but he didn't look like he was gone Mm. um all of his organs uh, were like completely fine. Everything like um, it was just the you know the one or 
their body that can't be transplanted, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, he, uh, yeah, it was just, he was brain dead and they had, there was no hope. And um, at that point, uh, the doctor came out for a second scan. I don't even think that he was coming out to talk to me, um, but he came out. And of course I, you know, we're in the hallway and yeah. I'm like looking at him and he told me in the middle of the hallway with oh uh, people around. Yes. I'm afraid it's not good. Um, your husband has gone to be with Jesus. Oh my gosh. Um, I was like, it was in the middle of the hallway yeah. And I don't think I'll ever forget that man's face. Like, um, it took me a minute to forgive him just for that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, like, it was as if he was telling me uh, to go to the store or something. It just, yeah. there was, had a very cold tone as if this was, and it probably was something that he did every day, you know? Yeah. Um, it just, uh, I wasn't ready to accept it at that point either. And um, they told me, though, they said that because um, because of what they found in the scans and the fact that it is considered brain death, they had to call time of death, which meant that they could not legally keep him on the machines anymore mm. um, unless I agreed to donate his organs. Mm. And I mean, I'm, I'm just really honest, I did not make that choice for any reason other than to buy time as if God needed it. Wow. Like, I had it in my mind. He took three days to raise Lazarus from the dead, and I'm, I'm not going to give up on him yet. Mm. And um, I felt really backed into a corner. Um, and I, you know, I just felt like everything was falling apart. It just all of a sudden, all at once, and there was the the shock and uh, just the just it felt like a really bad dream. Um, and then having to figure out like my my kids, <laughs> yeah, they were around. Like Mary was was there when we found out at the house, she had to ride with us to the hospital. So she's like, I can't, even, I'm not even in a place where I can think about what's going through her head. Yeah. You know, it wasn't until later that I really realized her, her role in all of it. Um, and then Violet was just, she just turned a year old. So while it was hard on her, it was quite different, but um, it was just a lot all at once. Yeah. And um, I spent, they said that if I agreed to donate his organs, that they would be able to keep him on the machines until they found recipients. Mm-hmm. So I um, made that choice. I did all that paperwork. Um, and like, good gosh, if you've ever, <laughs> if you've ever had to like do that paperwork, like if, it felt like they were picking him apart. Like, mm. um, and I know like now I can look at it differently, yeah. but at the time it was just like, do these people not realize that this is my life that just 
collapsed. Like yeah. that this is a human being and, you know, that I, it was, it was difficult. Yeah. Um, it, it was just, it was just really difficult. Yeah. I mean, I can't, I, I think, um, I mean, it obviously loss of a person that's so important to your life is, um, it's incredibly hard, but like, it sounds like you're talking a lot about experiencing like the insensitivity in the moment and that making the grief so much harder. Um, and, and I, you know, I'm, I have a medical background and I get that there are times where we have to, we have to cover business, you know, as part of just taking care of our job. But, oh, uh, I don't know. I mean, we've, we can always do things with more compassion and, um, you know, just trying to read the situation and to, to understand that like, this is, this is the worst day of your life. And, um, we need to show tenderness in this time. And, you know, you can still get those things accomplished, but show, show kindness and show mercy in that time. Um, yeah. Yeah. I can't, I mean, it sounds like they're treating your husband like he's like just, I don't know, like a commodity. Like he's, you know, I call this, I call that, and this is going to go to this person. And, or I guess you don't know those things at that point, but we have somebody who needs this and this from, from him. And oh, it's just, oh, I, I, I can't imagine. I mean, there were questions in the paperwork, like, do you, are you okay with donating his eyes? Mm. And um, like, are you okay with uh, donating body parts for um, what do they call it when they like use it for testing and study? Oh, and, like, so like research? Medical college. Yeah. Yes. Like oh, gosh. <laughs> for research. And um, it, it was, it was a dark time. Yeah. Um, it was, I felt like everything had just fallen apart and it seemed like the people who were, who were there supposed to be helping him. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I know they were doing that. I know yeah. they, I know they did everything they could. Right. But um, it just, there wasn't very much compassion at all. And it just felt like, you know, wow, this is. Yeah. Just like that, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, you talk about you talked about how there was the initial, you know, he arrived at the hospital, things weren't good, and then all the way up until they take him for the you know, the organ donation surgery. Um mm. when did you feel like okay, he's gone and this is it. And tell me what was like going through your head when that was going on. So um, I was there and the whole time I didn't leave uh, during, I think it was like days altogether. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I was leaving, you know, I was, I was going to be there with him for every minute that I left. Yeah. Um, and so, 
I was there. Um, I just held him and prayed. And there was lots of people coming in and out, you know, um, our friends and our family from church. Um, you know, it was a revolving door. There was lots of people there to um, to be there for me. I don't know that there was anything, there wasn't anything that anyone could have done or said, but they were there. And, you know, um, I appreciate that a lot more now. Um, but just being there with him and watching him, I guess, deteriorate, he never really, um, he was warm, you know, um, and it didn't seem like he was gone. Just he was on machines. The machines are what was keeping him alive, yeah. uh, quote unquote, alive. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I don't know at what point. Um, I think his like soul left him or anything. I I really feel like that probably happened at the scene of the accident. Yeah. Um, but. For me, as far as when I felt like he was really gone, there was a specific moment. Um, I don't want to go into too much detail, but it was just like when your brain doesn't work, um, none of your bodily functions do, obviously. Yeah. And so like you can't you can't swallow. um, You can't blink. There's nothing going on. Mm -hmm. Everything is it's like a crashed computer, you know? Yeah. There's nothing happening. And um he had one of the tubes he had was like um cleaning up his mouth. Mm-hmm. And it, it got to where that was not enough to like keep him, you know, from having dry lips or um, you know, just I'll spare the details, but it just, I knew at that point when I was, you know, having to, you know, clean his face, Mm -hmm. um, that he, that he wasn't coming back. I think, um, I just, I think that was the moment that I was just like, wow, you know, um, I don't know that, I don't know that God's going to bring him back. Because I believed, you know, that the whole time, this uh, this towards the end of that phase, and the whole time I was praying, and like lots of people were praying. We had missions from all over the world, you know, yeah. just praying and praying and um, believing. And there was um, services going on at our church. People mm-hmm. were getting together. Um, yeah. And I, it just... It, it kind of just hit me all at once. It, I don't, I don't think that God's will is to bring him back, mm. and uh, that made me angry. You know, <laughs> yeah, I was, I was really, really mad at God for a while, um, and then like there was the day that they took him, that they actually came in. They said that they had, um, they said that they had found homes for all of his organs and that, um, you know, he was going to help five people to have another shot at life. I didn't care about that at the time. That was, that was the 
farthest thing from my mind. I didn't have the mental capacity mm. to um, think about anybody else. Mm-hmm. Um, that sounds horrible, but it's where I was. And yeah. um, they came in and they they said we needed to go ahead and uh, they were going to take him soon. That, that you know. They'd give me, I think they said like another hour or something, but um, they were prepping for and um, I just remember I told them, I said, well, just leave, you know, just leave me alone with them. Just, I needed that little bit more time and it was just me and him in the room. Mm-hmm. There, there was nobody else in there, um, but the Holy Spirit was there. And I, I know that I knew that and I felt it very tangibly, even as angry as I was mm-hmm. at God. I was so mad at him. I thought I, you know, I might have in the moment thought I was done with him. Like I was very angry and, uh, but I felt him there and um, it was so tangible. I felt as I, I was just standing there, and tears and, um, you know, praying and looking at my husband who was about to be completely gone. Yeah. And, um, I felt a hand on my back. Like it felt like a hand, like the Mm. actual felt like a hand. And I had to turn around both ways and there was nobody there. Yeah. Obviously, you know, we were alone in the room, Mm -hmm. but I still feel it. Like it was absolutely, it, it, it it absolutely happened, yeah. and um, I don't know how that trans and you know was it an angel was it was it God what I don't know but yeah. I know that um, he was there and that was it almost gave me it gave me the peace that I needed to just um let things be final yeah and um go home you know mm-hmm. uh, they did his. They did his hero walk. Um, and it was like, I, you know, I said goodbye. And was the end of it. And um, I, I later got a letter in the mail telling me, you know, not names or anything. There was nothing specific, but um, the ages and genders of the people who received uh, organs Mm -hmm. from him. And, you know, at the time it meant little to me. Yeah. Um, But it, it helps now to know that there are people who, I mean, I haven't, there hasn't been any contact with any of them. So I really don't know. Um, how everything turned out for them. But um, it helps me to know that there are people who have more time with their families because of what, because of what happened to ours. Mm -hmm. So. Wow. Um, So you have in this moment, like just lost your husband. You have a one-year-old and how old was Mary at the time? She was eight. She had just turned eight not too long before. Okay. And Violet had just turned one. Yeah. So Um, you, 
are now a widow um, with two young children. Um, what what was it like trying to resume your life afterward? Um, well, it was a whole mess. <laughs> uh, I, I feel like for the first six months, I didn't really, things weren't registering. Like, um, I don't remember much of the days after I, I remember the funeral. I don't remember who was there. I don't, um, I don't remember. Um, <laughs> I, it's funny. I, a year later after the accident, I was looking back over messages and it said that I'd read them, but I didn't remember getting any of them yeah. from people that were reaching out. I just, I was in shock and I was floating. Yeah. And um, as they say in grief share, the only thing that made sense that, you know, that allowed me to keep going was to just do the next thing. Right. You know, it was just, Every day, every minute of every day, just do the next thing. And if I got some laundry done, that was a win. Like yeah. that was, um, it was a major thing. Um, I was off of work for a whole year. I just, it didn't make sense to go back. I felt like my kids needed me more than the company that I was working for. And I probably honestly didn't have the... <laughs> mental or emotional capacity to, um, to go back until I finally did. Um, it was just, it was hard, especially that first six months Mm -hmm. and, um, just all of a sudden there's, there's no adult conversation in the house, just me and the, the girls and, um, made me realize that I had actually very few close friends, which is my, my fault essentially, because like, I'm, I've always been a little socially awkward, but I guess it just didn't occur to me as much (laughs) until my best friend was gone. Because even with all of our issues that we had, our, our little fights and, um, trying to figure each other out, he was my best friend. Um, he wasn't just my husband. He was the person that I spent every day with yeah, day in and day out. And, um, he was enough for me. I think it just, it never occurred to me that maybe I needed more friends, but after the fact, after he's gone, it, it got very lonely mm-hmm. and there were plenty of people reaching out, but, um, my family was really, I had my family as far as close people that I felt like I could be genuine and open and honest with. Um, yeah. It just, it was lonely and um, I was really struggling with uh, being angry. I was incredibly angry and trying not to let my kids see that. Like mm-hmm. uh, there was just all these different things that my mind was trying to do. Um, 
and then I had a lot of I had a lot of questions and a lot of you know just there was depression and um it was a mess yeah I think that um I think that it got easier not easier to deal with um as far as like the grief the the waves started coming less often mm-hmm. you know um I got better at um not bursting into tears at the drop of a hat yeah but it's really long time mm-hmm. to um to even feel normal to feel any kind of normal you talked a lot about being angry with God. So um, talk or talk to me a little bit about like what that was like and, um, you know, to hear you talk now, obviously you are in a different space with God, but um, what was that, what was that like or when did, when did that start to shift? Um, initially, it was just like I knew that God was real. Yeah. And I knew that if he had wanted to, he could have healed JT's brain mm-hmm. and sent him back to us. Yeah. That was what I knew. And um the fact that he didn't um I didn't understand why at the time. Um, I, I don't know that I'll fully understand why anything that happened that day had to happen, but, um, I was just, I was angry because I knew that God could have, you know, he, there's nothing he can't do. And the fact that he did not give him back just infuriated me. I remember ending in church. It might have been like one or two Sundays after the whole ordeal. That was one thing that I would, you know, I was going to do. I wasn't going to let go of church. I was going to hold on to it. So I, I did not stay out of church. Mm-hmm. I, I was there. <laughs> I was there. Um, yeah. it, my body was in the pew, yeah. right? But I remember them standing up, you know, and singing um, How Great Is Our God was the song. That's so weird. And, that When you just said that, I was that was the song that popped in my head. Like, that would be a really hard hear, thing to hear anyway. Yeah. Um, and if I am being honest, you know, God has grace for, for my honesty right now because right. I did not feel like was great i mm. i was not singing and uh, the look on my phone actually told me later that <laughs> you know they uh you know they reached out because of the way that i looked in church and uh they're just like yeah right yeah. <laughs> like how great is our god yeah right mm. because he does not feel great right now right like where is he now? Right. Um, it that 
that took a minute, but um, I guess talking about how he turned everything around, like, and how he was faithful. <laughs> yeah. Through all of that, like, he could have left me there, my ashes, you know, in my anger. Mm-hmm. Um, he could have me sulk, and uh, he didn't. He was there. He was there the whole time from the very beginning. Like the blessed things that were poured out on me and my girls um, and on our family and the provision. I had never experienced anything like it. Um, I didn't have to worry about anything. It seemed like, I don't just mean money. Like money was one of the things that it seemed like it was coming from all directions. I didn't have to worry about the bills. Everything was going to be okay as far as, you know, things were going to get paid. The money would be there. Um, I felt like the Lord was uh, handling that situation. Um, He had started handling it before anything ever happened because we were saving. Mm. Um, And so we, you know, I didn't have to like wait for the insurance company to deal with the funeral. I was able to do that. And um, I just felt like from the very beginning, even as angry as I was with God, he took care of us. Yeah. And he provided for every single need. I cannot think of a single need mm. that was not provided for. Yeah. Um. And like all of this happened right before Christmas. It was on December 6th that the accident happened. <laughs> I don't think that my kids had that many presents under the tree in all of the Christmases combined. Wow. Like it was, people just were pouring out God's love on us. Mm-hmm. And it was just like, um, people you know, missionaries reaching out. And then I was going to Florida quite a bit because there's a missionary school there that um, has a church and they're, they're great people. And, you know, they, they told me to come and that was, um, that was the turning point because, um, I think that's the trip, you know, I went there, it wasn't, there was something called power school was supposed to be happening, but because of COVID, you know, this was all lining up with right when COVID started. Yeah. Um, I didn't have time to worry about COVID because my brain was elsewhere (laughs) dealing with this other huge thing, but Mm -hmm. COVID had started up. And um, so there wasn't going to be the program and I wasn't going to go, but they told me to come anyway um, because they knew I needed some help. I think. Yeah. They, uh, it was clear. It was very visible um, to anybody that was around me at, at all for any period of time. Uh-huh. Um, and so I went there and um, I was just immersed in God's love from people who um, who cared. Right. And they, you know, they loved on me and... Um, They are really I'm trying to think of the word to use. 
um, this particular pastor is um, very radical. Okay. And I mean, that's not the word. Like he's, um, there, <laughs> there's power where he is. Like mm. the Lord, he's very much in tune with the Lord. Um, and he's, he, he's got huge faith, the yeah. kind of faith that, um, you know, I only dream of having. Right. I struggle in that area a lot. And it's just like things happen there left and right. And I went there and that was the first time that I saw, like, actually saw a demon spirit leave someone's body and mm-hmm. what that looked like. And it was scary almost. Yeah. I've never seen it like that and it was like in that moment I'm like oh my gosh this is like there's this whole other spiritual realm yeah that I I kind of knew about mm-hmm. but I don't feel like I was taught so much about it in church um growing up yeah uh that's probably because you're at a Baptist church. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I wasn't going to say it. Yeah. But, um, yeah. Um, I just, it it all became really clear to me at that point that, yeah. whoa, this yeah. is, this is the real thing. Mm-hmm. And I've got some work to do and um, I need to, I need to stop this this anger. I've got some forgiveness to deal with, you know, Yeah. Um, everything all at once, just um, the Lord started revealing to me like, okay, Amber, I know that I know where you're at right now. Um, he saw me sitting in my pile of ashes mm-hmm. and I feel he, um, if he had audibly spoken to me, (laughs) if I had heard an audible voice, it would have said, yeah, but I'm about to make it better. Mm. This is gonna, it's gonna be okay. Just come with me, you know, Mm. that's that's what I felt. And um, other things that happened there, um, as far as like, there's a, Christian counselor. She's um she's a brain doctor. Um mm-hmm. and she does Christian counseling. Mm-hmm. They're a program called Restoring the Foundations. And I was able to go through that on a donations basis. Like yeah. it was just like the Lord provided that for me. And that was one of the most um valuable uh occurrences for my healings like my healing from everything that happened like she helped me to understand what the bible says about every thought (laughs) that I had going on and like um you know just being able to tell me how the human brain works and why certain things happened and Mm. um being able to understand a lot of the answers to the questions I had helped. Like, um, I, I had a lot of questions and there was, uh, the fact that he wasn't wearing a seatbelt had me really angry. And, you know, that was, um, 
I think the that was the most um, deadly thing that the most what <laughs> the most that the most deadly decision that right. he made that day. You know, mm-hmm. um, but I was angry with him for other things, and you know, things didn't exactly end on a great note. Was yeah. another thing. It was really complicated. Um, you know, as far my grief became really complicated. And um, I think that that happens a lot. You know, I I don't think that I'm the only one that ever has that kind of thing happen. Um, yeah. It was. It was different and it was complicated. And I had a lot of questions and I was mad. I was mad at him. Like, you know, times I told him to put his seatbelt on. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean... I know that he's not the only one. People don't wear every day. People get in their car and don't wear their seatbelt. It's not even something that they think about. Yeah. I wish they would. Yeah. Um, one of the, it's just, it could have changed everything if he would just have put his seatbelt on and I, so I struggled with huge anger over that. Mm. Just, um, you know, if you would put your seatbelt on, Violet might still have her dad. Yeah. And so anyway, um, going through these programs and being around all of these devoted people of God really helped me. And just the fact that I had the opportunity to do that, I never met any of these people if I hadn't married JT. Yeah. Ever. Like they, the whole church family that I was part of, my in-laws, you know, they're both ordained ministers. They're very devoted people Mm -hmm. that have been enormous blessings in our lives. Yeah. Um, Just everything changed for the better. Um, And uh, when I met him, as far as the presence of God in my life, and it just continued even through this huge, awful thing that happened. Um, Yeah. He was there. and Do you feel like, I mean, I, I've known you for a long time, and I know this isn't like the first hard thing you've been through. Um, do you feel like dealing with forgiveness toward JT um, and um, learning to heal from that situation helped heal other past traumas? Um. Yeah. I <laughs> I had to I had to do some serious forgiving. Um yeah. and it you know it it really took the thing that I had to understand was that um forgiveness wasn't really about the person who hurt me at all. Yeah. I didn't even have to tell him. It was about me and my relationship with God because he gave us clear instructions where forgiveness is concerned. Um, he did not have any wiggle room. Yeah. <laughs> he said, we have to forgive. Forgiveness is not an option. Um, and so that, <laughs> that was difficult for me in the beginning because I'm like, how do you expect me to do that? You know, mm. um, it really just, when I realized that it was about me and that, um, I needed to just release my hands from around some necks yeah, and let go. 
and allow myself to move forward and stop being angry and stop hurting. I needed, I had the key to the prison that I was keeping myself in Mm. being angry and I just needed to use it. Yeah. And step out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think when I really got to that truth, it became it became easier to do. I do feel like I've forgiven everybody that I needed to, um, including God. Yeah. <laughs> not that he needs, you know, not that he uh, ever did anything wrong, you know. Yeah. It just um, it was a it was a journey for the forgiveness um, good. it helped my healing you know that was a major part of my healing um, if I hadn't been able to forgive I, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be okay today yeah that's good um, so what what's some advice that you might give to somebody who has lost a spouse or has been through the loss of maybe their closest person in their life? I guess, I guess like I mentioned earlier, just do the next thing. Yeah. There's not, there's not anything that's, that's going to make it better right away. There's not, there's no words. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Just be patient with yourself um, you know, have, have grace for yourself. Yeah. Um, and for other people, like <laughs> don't think, don't take anything that anybody says to the heart because I promise they all mean well. Oh, okay. So like kind of try, you know, people reassurances and stuff. Thing. Yeah. Like people say silly things. Yeah. Um, and they they mean they mean well. They there's just no words. They're looking for words when there are none. Mm. Um, so just yeah, that'd be my advice. Just do the next do the next thing and have grace for yourself and other you know the people around you. <laughs> um, yeah. But you know, it's okay to ask them all to go. Also, mm-hmm. like some. Have enough grace for yourself to, you know, seclude yourself when you need to. Yeah. You mentioned like a grief group. Um, Do you feel like that's something that, you know, has been really beneficial for you? Share is, Mm -hmm. um, I think that it is very beneficial for anyone going through grief. Yeah. Uh, As I mentioned earlier, COVID had just started when... Um, all of this happened. I went to two grief share meetings only mm-hmm. and um, then COVID hit and it was all shut down. Mm. And uh, I guess I probably could have found virtual ones. Maybe I didn't look. Yeah. Um, mother-in-law is actually a share facilitator. Oh, and, wow. Uh, that, that, yeah, it would have been difficult uh, to to do her class and she understood that. Yeah. Um. But I just seeing what she does for, uh, you know, for other people through her class. Yes. Grief share is. Yes. Yeah. Like, not good. Oh. 
Mm. You're not going to want to get up and go there and talk about things. It's going to open up some wounds. That's it's going to. Yeah. Yeah. But it's going to heal a lot more than what you could expect. That's good. That's really good. I think it's also probably good to see people who are a little bit further down the road and see that there will come a day, not that you get over it, but that you learn to, you know, that you can, you can move forward in life. And, um, yeah, it's not going to be the same, but it's, there is life beyond this thing. And, yeah. um, so I'm sure in the moment where you're like, life has, you know, as I know it is over, it's good to see mm. somebody who's been through a loss and, you know, is now able to, you know, have, have a life where they're, they're not just, you know, like you said, breaking down in tears constantly and, um, they're able to still happens every now and then. Oh yeah. 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 (laughs) Um, Um, yeah, I think that's, that's the, that's, you know, good to, to also hear that too, you know, even 10 years later, 20 years later, you know, something bumps you in a certain way and it all comes back like it was yesterday, but you know, you can, you know, those, those kind of moments sort of get a little fewer and further between as time goes on. And, um, you know, you find, you find new purpose in life and, um, you, you realize that although a lot of your identity was wrapped up in this person that, you know, you are your own individual and God has gifted you in ways that, um, that the world needs you and not just you as, you know, as you related to that person you lost. Like the world needs Amber, not just Amber, JT's wife. And um, you, know, you serve an important role and you can, you know, one day hopefully you'll be, and maybe it's already happening, but you're there for the people that are experiencing loss. And that's kind of what, you know, is happening with this episode, I hope, for other people that they're hearing it and they're um, encouraged in how how much you have grown as an individual and grown in your relationship with God through adversity and through loss and through grief. It's knit you closer to the Lord in a way that, you know, you may not have experienced had life continued as it was. So. Yeah, that for sure. I feel like um, I feel like I'm a completely different person than I was back then. I feel like there's been healing from all different things. Yeah, um, and I, I just feel like I, I do feel like I have my own identity now that I'm I'm working on. You yeah. know, <laughs> figuring yeah. out who I am in Christ, um, mm. and I'm getting there, like making progress. That was after, you know, initially after everything happened, that was one of the things that I guess I didn't say Mm -hmm. was that um, I did not feel like I had an identity. I -hmm. felt invisible. Um, I think if one more person referred to me as JT's wife, (laughs) instead of by my name, I might have exploded. Yeah. Um, I, I felt... Like when he went away, I mean, 
my kids were a huge part of my identity. Obviously, you know, Mary and Violet's mom. (laughs) Yeah. But there was, there was no identity behind my name as Mm. far as I was concerned. I didn't, Mm. I didn't feel like I was special for anything. I didn't feel like I had any real worth. Mm. I, I felt and just God has, <laughs> God has given me an identity mm. through all of this. He's given me goals and he's shown me, you know, what I'm capable of. And um, even with the kids I work with at school, I feel so needed. Yeah. And um, I feel like I'm really doing something important. And, um, yeah. you know, none of that would have ever happened if not for my loss, I would still be working in corporate America mm-hmm. on a computer all day, every day. Yeah. Um, as a number on a payroll. Uh, and I like, that's where I'm at anymore. And it's only because of God and his goodness to me. Mm. That's so awesome. Yeah. Well, Amber, thank you so much for just taking your time out and for sharing about the hard stuff the hard situation you've been through and I just I mean I appreciate your honesty and your desire for others to experience healing through this so I just want to thank you again I feel honored thank you the loss of Amber's husband and the trauma that followed could have caused her to completely isolate herself and to stay bitter toward God But thank God for his unrelenting love and the love of the people that God placed in Amber's life. God can bring beauty from the ashes of heartache, and I'm so thankful for that. Thank you so much for listening today. If you enjoy the Faithful Podcast, please take a few moments and head over to Apple Podcasts. Leave me a rating and a review there. Reviews help people find the podcast so that it can be a blessing to them. And while you're there, go ahead and hit the subscribe button so that you never miss an episode. You can find me on faithfulpodcast.podbean.com or on Instagram at faithfulpodcast. Have a great week and remember to stay faithful, friends.